0: You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on the home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Kicking off Hour 2 from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems Downtown Studios here in Calgary, Alberta for our friends at Doug Lacey's Basement Systems, Crack Foundation, Boeing Foundation Walls. They have a simple permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Give them a call. They're all things basement here. Visit them at dlbasementsystems.com. Yes, we're focused in on a Calgary Flames game day, the first of 82 regular season games for your Calgary Flames. Puck drop just after 8 o'clock tonight as they welcome in the Winnipeg Jets. Part of six games on the NHL schedule tonight. Picked it off with a pretty awesome triple header on Sportsnet last night. And it's just good to have hockey back and to – Help us chat about the NHL season getting underway, even checking on the Toronto Maple Leafs, who have their season opener tonight. Very happy to go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline this afternoon. Welcome to our pal from Sportsnet 590, the fan in Toronto. Ailish Forfar joins us this afternoon. Ailish, thanks for doing this. How are you? Hey,
1: good. So glad to be on. I think this is my first Calgary moment ever. So what's up, Calgary? Really? Welcome to the city.
0: (laughs) Uh, We don't like Toronto very much. It's a a complex we have here, but uh, I think you'll be okay. (laughs) You'll survive it.
1: Yeah, I'll be nice enough, and uh, we'll work through (laughs) our our ups and downs together. (laughs)
0: Perfect. That's what we need here. Uh, How's it going? Excited for hockey to be back?
1: Oh, so much. Like, the, yesterday was a fun kind of a tease because tonight it's the Canadian teams in action. Obviously, the Leafs host the Habs here in Toronto and, and all the Canadian teams in action. I just feel like it feels a bit more real tonight. No offense to the, the squads that hit the ice yesterday. But, yeah, there's so much excitement. I mean, in the building here, everyone's walking around we're all fired up to, to see what happens. It's like this exciting anticipation because as soon as we come on tomorrow, it's all reactionary right so i yeah. think it's fun to have like your last day of teeing up what ifs and predictions and this could happen and then tomorrow it's like we blew
0: it <laughs> yeah exactly yeah it's the same exact same feeling here in calgary yesterday was cool and we're trying to be excited for bedard It's oh vegas is raising a banner that's that's kind of cool but we really only care when our team gets going
1: yes yeah, so that's definitely it like the bedard thing was i mean that was probably the biggest home run in terms of like a matchup on a opening night that didn't include any Canadian teams. Um, I was so excited to see Bedard and Crosby. I mean, they really pumped that narrative of the passing of the torch and Crosby and then was, you know, already getting drafted. Bedard was like a minute old, like all that <laughs> yeah. was kind of a lot, but at the same time, it's like, it's really special. And you know you're Canadian, so you care about the Canadian talent and seeing that game last night, like Bedard, like, he looked like he's got, I know he's got a lot of hype around him, but he really showed what that excitement level could be like in Chicago. It's too bad, like, the team isn't as uh, as as deep as you'd want. But I was really impressed with that debut. And, of course, Crosby's like, I'm not passing the torch yet. I'm out here to win another cup. So you got to wait a little bit, kid. So I thought it was a great matchup to, to kind of get the season kicked off.
0: Yeah, kudos to the NHL, who I think rightfully so takes it in the teeth for not always being the best schedule makers and sometimes these odd start times, but like, they're really Mm -hmm. pumping Bedard through. He's in Boston tonight. He makes his way through Eastern Canada. You guys will see him in Toronto in a couple days. Like the kid is getting
1: biggest market. I know he's
0: getting it like full on right off the bat and good for the NHL. If he's going to live up to it, he might as well get in the spotlight early.
1: Yeah, I looked at his schedule yesterday, and I was like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! This is this normal <laughs> for the Blackhawks? Like, I know that they are, they are an original six, and I want to put them in the big spotlight, but Crosby, then Bruins, then the Habs, and in the Bell Center, and then you're here at Scotiabank, then you play the ABS, and then the defending Stanley Cup champs and Golden Knights. I'm like. Whew, he's gonna be exhausted after this little trip and only one of those is at home so i just think uh he seems like a kid with the like the right head on his shoulder right like everything yeah. you hear you see every interview he's so like humble and i know it can be a facade i was a hockey player i know how to answer <laughs>
0: questions right yeah
1: uh pucks in deep whatever but no when you listen to him i really believe it like i believe that he's just Built different, as they say. He just he has this this aura around him where even in the preseason he was asked about, oh, you know, how'd the game go out there? And he's like, well, we lost. Like it's yeah. not good enough. I'm like, well, you know, you are playing for the Blackhawks. So you might have to lower your expectations <laughs> a little bit. But I just think that he's got, like, the world at his fingertips. I really hope for a, a successful season. I still don't really know what a successful season is. Is it, like, you know, 30 goals? Is it obviously the Calder? But just, you know, you look at the situation he's around, I think Chicago is going to be what we predict with Chicago, and hopefully he doesn't let it get to him when they're not playing in the Stanley Cup final.
0: hundred percent, and it's just the beginning for him, you know. Coming in at 18, he's got lots of hockey in front of him, and this is just sort of his Mm -hmm. his first stepping stone in the NHL. Uh, I saw you retweeted on your Twitter feed. Uh, I kind of love how extra Vegas is about everything, like the (laughs) the presentations and everything. And I kind of loved it was later because that Chicago game went a little long. But I don't know. I Mm -hmm. like Mark Stone coming out and you know pulling the the wheel on the slot machine, and here comes the banner of Vegas. I don't know if Vegas repeats this year or not, but. It's kind of fun to see the expansion team come in and, and mm-hmm. do what they set out to do and win that Stanley Cup in six. And it was a fun presentation, as it always is, in Vegas last night.
1: I loved it. I thought it was so cool. And, and I thought for a couple of weeks, like, what are they going to do? You know, it's Vegas, like, glitz and glam. And is there <laughs> going to be some, like, Cirque du Soleil people that, like, catapult from the ceiling? But I thought what they did was, you know, they hit the jackpot. It's yeah. pretty, pretty, like, nail on there with uh, with the way they did it. Um, I, I'm rewatching it on my Twitter right now. It is crazy in that arena. Like I have to get out to Vegas in general, I've never been, yes. but in general to go to a night's game, um, I mean I just it was a pretty cool story down the stretch when our team wasn't in it I think you wanted to see something special like Vegas they had that misfit bunch that really stood together obviously you know about the trials and and the hard times that the city of Vegas had and I think it just all came together when it really mattered the Florida Panthers were a fun story don't get me wrong but they you know they weren't too friendly to our Leafs so I kind of became a (laughs) a cheerer there of the Vegas Golden Knights I thought their ceremony last night was pretty great I think it took them a little bit to get into the game maybe they were still celebrating a bit and And then, you know, they took they they took it to the Seattle Kraken uh, pretty handedly. But the two expansion teams, hopefully having a rivalry would be really great uh, to follow throughout the season. And and maybe it tips the hand at adding another expansion team down the road or moving a team to a new location. And we had Bill Daly on our show yesterday, actually, and we kind of asked him about that. But, you know, he didn't he didn't give us too too much. (laughs) But, you know, it says that that's something they'd be interested in. But it it was really great to see that success story. But I, I don't know if they have it in them to do it again but they did surprise a lot of people last year so you can you know you kind of always gotta taper your expectations but be willing to, to to kneel when you're wrong because they could certainly do it again
0: yeah the one thing i've loved about vegas and i'm curious if you see it the same way is i love that since day one they've come out and been this ultra aggressive team if they think it's gonna make them better mm-hmm. they've went out and done it it's been alex petrangelo uh it's you know obviously mark stone and so many of these guys and they just said look, if this guy makes us better, we're going to go out and do it. We're going to find a way to make cap space. We're going to always have this mentality of we're getting the the biggest and the best. And I'm curious how that kind of continues. You've reached the goal of winning a Stanley Cup. Is that same mentality going to be there for Vegas to always be this ultra-aggressive team when it comes to trying to make themselves better?
1: You know, it's funny you mention that because we've always been – I think waited, waiting for a team to just be kind of cutthroat and they were like, they had this expectation that we're going to win the cup in six years. And people are like, eh, we'll see about that. And you're right. Like they don't go about business. the kind of safe way, right? They they'll yeah. get rid of a player. Or they'll do the, who uh, the Mark Andre Fleury with the swords in the back, like there was some <laughs> yeah. crazy stuff that happened. And in the end, your team was successful because of it. And I think you kind of have to tip your hat at that and say, you know what, it's a business and sometimes the decisions are hard and maybe there's other teams around the league that look into that and say, this could be a way to toughen up maybe the, the, the business of hockey. But I mean, we're so close to the cap in every team. Like that's been a story we've been following is like, you're literally sending people down daily to the HL because you have to make like a thousand dollars. Like you need to be able to pay like someone's salary. Like they're there. We have a TTC, our bus system. It's like, Oh, you can't make it. You can't pay for this. So you got to send them <laughs> down. Like it's, it's, it's all of that, but Vegas definitely went about it, and you know the LTIR stuff people don't love. Um, but sometimes you just gotta you gotta not cheat to win, but you gotta push the boundary. And I think Vegas has certainly been the team that has done that. And look, they're Stanley Cup champs, so you know, power to you.
0: Yeah, hard to argue with the results. They got it done <laughs> for sure. Uh, tonight, six games, Canadian teams in action. Including the team that uh, you cover, the Toronto Maple Leafs in TO, mm-hmm. your roles kind of changed at five ninety. You're going to be doing pregame <laughs> for the Leafs. How excited are you mm-hmm. to take on this new yeah, role it, at five ninety?
1: It's so fun. So that yeah, I was two years on the morning show here, um, which was amazing. Great opportunity to kind of like wake up with the, the listeners and be reactionary um, from the night before. But the shift this upcoming season is is the pregame. Like we have a pregame show now, the fan pregame, and we're also doing Leafs game and intermission, so I think it 's flexing a different muscle you know i 'm kind of still young in my career, so I, I definitely think rounding out whatever opportunities are available but I like the idea of bringing it live to people during intermission. Like it's kind of a hard skill set, and analyzing on the spot and giving it to them. Yeah. Um, also shout out to Megan Nicholson, who I know is doing it in Calgary. Yes. Uh, she's a, yeah, it's that's pretty awesome to have two women doing that. I mean, hopefully more down the road, but uh, yeah, congrats to her. I know she's a part of the station, so I just wanted to mention that, but yeah, the Leafs, this season is huge. I mean, we say that every year. We also say that it feels different every year, but I'm, I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. I really do believe that this Leafs season and, this Leafs year uh, will be better than last year. I don't know what that means in terms of success, but I think there's like a reinvigoration in the city. There's a new face running, and you know I'm running the show here. Um, there's new roster talent that's really changed like the dynamic of this Maple Leafs offense. I mean, defensively, we've still got some questions, but I just saw on Twitter, like, breaking news, the Leafs are changing the goal song. So, I mean, oh. everything is changing. Yeah, breaking news. I'll tell your Calgary listeners, Holonos is out. So, I mean... Even that little thing, it just feels like it's time to flush the last couple of years. The, the the Kyle Dubas era brought a lot of great stuff, but yeah. also brought a little bit of an exposure to maybe what it's like behind the scenes here at MLSC and at the Maple Leafs. So tonight will be a really interesting one. I mean, they they're playing Montreal, but they often lose to Montreal, so nothing <laughs> is easy in this uh, in these matchups. But uh, we're really excited to be down there to be a part of the energy and. I know Maple Leafs fans have a lot of hope this year.
0: Uh, inside baseball question for you: Did you prefer mornings? Are you a morning person? Like, was that early mm-hmm. morning shift okay with you? Do you prefer the the nights that are coming up at the rink instead of getting up so early?
1: You know, it's funny. Like, I I've I've kind of just. Been a grinder. I played hockey and, you know, remember getting up early and then also playing collegiately. Like, you're coming home late on buses. And, like, I don't think I've ever had a normal sleep schedule. Like, it's <laughs> either I was always grinding the late night hours on the bus, coming home, and then going to school and having to get up early. So, it, it, for me, it was kind of like, okay, this is my new life. And I got into it and definitely was like, <laughs> it changed your whole perspective of like work and, um, free time. And now having been off the morning show for two weeks, I'm like, Oh my God, this is so much better. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm like, I'll take whatever job you want to give me, but I just, I've had more time just in the day to you know go to the gym, to, to, just be productive with my life and not be groggy and you know the other perk I've noticed is I'm in the office when other people are in the office like I've met so many people in the last week that I've been (laughs) corresponding with for two years and I've never seen their face because we leave the office at 9am and no one was here so I think there's a lot of benefits to it I mean it's just been it's been really nice like kind of a change of pace Um, and you know in the afternoon it's a a different vibe there's lots of people around here the stakes are high because you're leading into really important things on the network so it's a great opportunity uh, and I, I'm definitely enjoying more sleep I think <laughs> that's an <laughs> easily stated one
0: <laughs> and as a former hockey player I'm curious if you're excited to feel the buzz you mentioned you know kind of that excitement mm-hmm. level that comes with being at the arena I know I do the same thing here with uh, with Pat Steinberg our flames radio host mm-hmm. and I get to go to the games and I, I love that initial energy of getting to the arena mm-hmm. and feeling the fans excitement level I'm sure that's got to feel close to home for you even though it's a different spot right you're used to hearing that and feeling that energy back from your playing days
1: yeah, I mean, it's so cliche, but, like, the moments where it's quiet in the arena before warm-ups, before fans get in there, that's actually, like, my favorite time. And I remember as a player, I'd be, like, maybe one of the first people there, not because I was, like, a hard-o, but because yeah. I actually liked just being there and having, like, that It's kind of, like, the serene quiet. And you'd never get that again as soon as people start pouring in in the energy. And I, I noticed that even being able to go down to the rinks a bit earlier with this role is that... It's really special. It just feels like this blank sheet, this blank slate, and there's so much anticipation and it's like a quiet buzz. And then people get in there and it's, you know, people are flying around and jerseys this and <laughs> chugging beers and it, it, it the energy speaks for itself. But I just remember that and I kind of paralleled that as a player to now being able to do it in my broadcasting uh, career. It's like, it is, there's an excitement. It's like the pregame up, the buzz that you're about to, to see something different. And I mean, that's the beauty of our business working in sports every single night, every single game, every single show that you do, that I do is different, right? There's not really many industries that we get to work in that have like, it's like being in the candy shop. Everything's different. It's so fun and exciting tonight. is just kind of, part two of that, uh, of that excitement as the Leafs start their season. And I know I already saw people walking around in jerseys. Like, <laughs> it's, it's fun here. It's really fun.
0: <laughs> yeah. It always, it feels like that first day It's the closest thing to the first day of school that I can, <laughs> I can remember, right. You've done your university days and those kind of mm-hmm. that first day jitters comes back every year. It's the best feeling. And I'm, I'm excited to get there tonight again and have that feeling again. One more on the Leafs for you, Ailish, mm-hmm. you mentioned Kyle Dubas and how things kind of went with him and MLSC as things finished up well the guy that came in to replace him is a guy we know pretty well here mm-hmm. in calgary have you noticed a different vibe and sort of a different demeanor of things with brad tree living at the helm in to
1: i have and i think it, maybe i'm a little influenced from what i learned about brad tree living from from i guess your folk and from people that knew him but the fact that he's like a people person and not that kyle dubis wasn't but there's just a little bit different of like the chain of maybe communication that i've noticed and yeah. i've had run-ins with both of them personally and they've both done lovely but i think I think Tree is kind of more uh, maybe maybe like optimistic and maybe he's not as jaded. He hasn't been here as long, but I feel like he he says what he means and he delivers on it. But he's also very thoughtful and like – I think the way he's treating the media – and this, again, is not a comparison to Dubas, but just in terms of like what I've noticed over the last couple of months is – He's really connecting with people. He's connecting with his players. He's put a lot of effort into that. It must be so hard to step into a new role in a team that's always like under pressure. Right. And to come in and he set out a goal to change this roster. And I really think he did a great job this off season. Like we looked at the starting lineup from last year to this year and There's no debating that it's better, right? And that's kind of what you need to do in that role. You take some swings, and we have a bunch of guys on one-year contracts, so this could age poorly. But, I mean, sometimes you have to do the uncomfortable thing, as we said, and and take one-year deals and hope that that makes your team better. I'm really interested in what he does at the trade deadline. I think for us, like, that is going to be when the Maple Leafs need to make this massive push. Like, on the back end, there's still a lot of questions, and I think that it feels incomplete right now, and it feels like his big like money earning moment will be how he acquires a better defense a better core on the back end at the trade deadline and like that's still a little wa- ways away but I've really just enjoyed like listening to him talking to him uh, he's come on our station he's been really uh, curious with his time uh, and, and I can totally understand why everything that I've heard about Brad Tree Living was that he was a good people person and he was well respected I, I'm noticing that here and I also think maybe we're just excited for a new voice, a new person in control, um, somebody that's going to be able to kind of like shape this Maple Leaf season. And I'm curious how this changes Sheldon Keefe. I think it's a yeah. big thing, right? Like how he coaches different or does he, or does he not? Does he speak to the media differently? Because there's always a wonder of how much Brendan Shanahan and and Kyle Dubas had a relationship in terms of like pulling the strings for other people. So I think that's the big thing to learn. Um, And maybe when we chat in a couple of weeks, I have more (laughs) of an answer of what I've seen from that. But everyone's kind of trying out this new relationship. And I know Calgary is dealing with the same thing, right? You got a new coach, a new GM as well. And like, there's a, a lot of missing, a lot of moving pieces. Sorry. Um, and I think that's kind of a nice refresh, right? I think yeah. both teams kind of feel a little bit of a refresh going into this year and stakes just continue to get higher. And that's just the way it is, especially in Canadian markets.
0: Well, let's, let's end off there. Let's get your thoughts on the team that Brad living left behind mm-hmm. this summer from afar in Calgary here. A lot of talks been about what, What is a good feeling in the locker room? What is a good feeling in the building actually translate to on the ice? That's kind of been what our our overarching story has been, because this team in Calgary, not a lot different than the team that just missed the playoffs last Mm -hmm. year, despite having all these ups and downs with the coach and guys having down years. I'm curious how you see this Calgary team uh, from out east there in Toronto.
1: Yeah, you know, I I kind of felt for Flames fans and and the Flames community just watching like everything that kind of went wrong went wrong. But the team was so, is so talented, was so talented, had their opportunities and and failed. And I think what I view for this upcoming season is kind of like a renewed hope. (laughs) And that can be risky, but it can also be like look at the opportunities for some of these players, some of these big name players to just have a better season, a bounce back season. And I think a lot of people will be motivated by that too. Like that's going to be a bitter taste in your mouth to have fallen short and to see that things changed. I think as a player, my perspective would be that would give me a little bit of a fire under my ass, right? Like I want to come yeah. in there and I know that we've got a new coach, a new GM, like this isn't another throwaway. I'm using air quotes. Like this is like time to really earn it. And I think that. Calgary has certainly the talent. I think maybe your biggest question, and I'm sure you guys talk about this on the radio, is like how the goaltending going to be. And you're not the only team with that question, right? But, you know, Hoover Doak maybe bouncing back to superstar form and like superstar is a big one, but he's got it in him, right? There's so much talent and it's just about getting the puzzle pieces together, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't downgrade or downplay how – much a fresh feeling from the top down might feel in that locker room, a fresh season, um, a whole new year of expectations. And being removed from the way that that season ends, I think really comes back. You have players that learn something too. And I hope that that's the way that you view it. Like if you're a player in that room, you know how it felt last year. It's like we learned something from that or this year's going to be even worse. So I, I do have higher, higher expectations for the Flames this year. Um, and I think they have the right bodies in the room to do it. Um, and I, yeah, I just, I just think that it, sometimes a, a refresh and a restart can be, can be uh, <laughs> really helpful for everybody in the same page.
0: Ellis, uh, great stuff. Thanks so much for hopping on with us today. Mm-hmm. I'm really looking forward to doing this with you more throughout the season. Yeah. Uh, have yourself a great broadcast tonight. Enjoy the Leafs <laughs> and the Habs, and uh, we'll chat with you again soon, eh?
1: Yeah, I appreciate it so much. Uh, I just wanted to say also um, condolences to the family of Chris Snow and the Flames family out there. I know it's a it's a couple days removed, but yeah. I wanted to to share that from us over here because I haven't had a chance to chat. So uh, we're thinking about uh, the family and, of course, everybody there in Calgary. And uh, looking forward to chatting with you uh, hopefully next week.
0: Take care, Ailish. Thanks so much. All right. Bye, yeah, bye now.
1: Bye-bye.
0: Ailish Forfar joining us down the Atlas Beach and Sports Bar guest hotline from our friends out in Toronto at Sportsnet 590, the fan. She's going to join us every week to chat about the NHL topics, what's going on with the Leafs, Flames perspective as always. Uh, Great to chat with Ailish. Really looking forward to getting uh, more perspective from her in the coming weeks. We're going to switch it over to football quickly, get you set. All of a sudden, the Calgary Stampeders find themselves in a massive game against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. The Rough Riders just don't seem to want to put a stamp on this final playoff spot. So all of a sudden, the Stampeders have a chance to keep their playoff hopes alive somehow, some way, in a massive game at McMahon Stadium. Let's get you set for this suddenly big Western Division matchup between the Stamps and the Rough Riders. Here is your Wednesday Stamps Report with Patrick Dumas. This, This is the Stamps Report with Patrick Dumas. Stamps held their
2: final full practice day of the week ahead of Friday's game with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, although the weather today in Calgary had Coach call a bit of an audible.
3: It's tough, uh, the rain and the cold, and uh, just, didn't, just couldn't risk losing somebody. We're already going to be down a few guys, so just couldn't risk losing them. The guys responded. It was more of a, I guess, jog through. Uh, still got a lot out of it.
2: So a bit of a jog through, as coach put it, as the team will once again be down a couple key names. Still no official word yet, about leading receiver Reggie Bagleton, who took a nasty hit during the Stampeders' last game two weeks ago against the Hamilton Tiger Cats, hasn't practiced all week and wasn't even on the field today. Probably something to do with the weather, but still sounds like Jake Mayer will be down his number one target on Friday. Should know officially when depth charts are released sometime on Thursday morning. How does coach feel about his receiving core? If they'll be without number eighty-four,
3: yeah, we've been light on receivers all week. We've had uh, some other things come up, so we're we're battling to try to come together with a group. Uh, we moved a few people around for practice and uh, may or may not play out that way. So it is difficult, you know. Practice to me is important. Uh, it's also difficult when you have so few uh, healthy bodies uh, that you know you want to push them hard, but you also you got to understand an injury would really be a, a backbreaker if you got somebody else hurt in practice. So. Uh, that's where we're at. We're we're certainly, uh, I think we get the job done. I like our guys. They work. They're tough. Uh, they're smart. Uh, now we just need to win those one-on-one battles.
2: So if Bagleton is not able to go step-up time for a rookie like Cole Tucker, Luther Akunavanu, and Trey Odom's Dukes, those guys, uh, it's all hands-on-deck type situation on Friday, and the depth chart will be tested. One name that can certainly Help out that offense as running back Kadeem Carey. Heard from him yesterday in the stamps report about how he wants to finish this year strong. And Coach Dickinson joined the big show with Ruskin Rose on Wednesday morning and he shared his opinion of Kadim.
3: Yeah, we've got some decisions in the running back room right now. We've got healthier bodies than we've had all year with uh, Peyton Logan back and uh we just you know, we'll play two. Um uh, obviously Kadim will be one of those. He's he's done that. He's had a tough year, like the rest of us, though. It just hasn't worked out. Uh, he's, he's been banged up, and he can't seem to find his footing. It was the very first game, uh, second quarter, and he hurt his foot. And as a running back, that's your moneymaker. So it's been a rough year for Kadeem, working on trying to get himself back in that groove. But he, he's still out there, to me, uh, trying to be better. Um you know, like I say, when we're best is when we we can hit the the line of scrimmage with power and speed, and 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 have deception off the play action game. So that's what we're looking to do.
2: Kerry and a possible returning Peyton Logan can certainly take off pressure with their use in the passing game as well. Those two can establish a healthy run game will be key as Saskatchewan is giving up around 125 yards per game on the ground. Overall, a thought on the running back room and Peyton Logan from the coach.
3: He has been ready to go and working. It's just uh, his injury was pretty severe. Um, I get, I get, I feel like the running back room has really supported each other and I know it's a tough decision right now for me. Uh, Whichever way I go, I know the guys will support each other and if Peyton plays and I'd like to at least see him by the end of the year, I do think it'd be nice uh, just to get him back, be a spark plug and be a different type of runner. Uh, but I also know our running back room is solid, and we have some great players.
2: Logan can certainly add that lightning element from the backfield, and it's just too bad that the Stampeders were unable to have both Carey and Logan healthy this season. But if you can have them back for these final three tilts, that'll be big. Taking a look at the latest injury report, already mentioned that Reggie Bagleton was a non-participant in the first three days. Sean McEwen did go on Monday and Tuesday, but was held out again today. Could be weather-related. Uh, and also, he's on Baby Watch, and as Coach Dickinson providing an update on his status for Friday.
3: I believe they're past their due date now. Mm. And so, uh, you know, and I I've always preached family first, mm-hmm. I, and I'll keep that. I will keep that. Um, uh, that's the same thing happening with uh, with another player. Oh, actually, we have three players expecting in the next two weeks. So, yeah. you know, it's just part of part of life and part of the business. And Sean is a full commit guy and and a great teammate, and he makes us better. And I what I say, he's if he plays, he's he's 100%. No, but. Uh, He understands, like all of us do, really, this is a playoff game for
2: us. So if you can go, you go. So if McEwen can go, you'll probably bet he'll be snapping the ball to Jake Mayer. Some other injuries and absences worth watching. Tommy Lee Lewis hasn't practiced all week, believe he is also on baby watch, but should know more about his playing status later on this afternoon. And rookie defensive back Michael Griffin is trending like he'll be able to help out that secondary on Friday night. And Friday's contest features a celebration of the partnership between the Stampeders and the University of Calgary. It's the Day of the Dino. In addition, proceeds from the Stampeders Foundation Remax 50-50 draw will benefit Dino's athletics. Dino's student-athletes will be featured in various game day activities. There will also be a special joint performance by the UFC and Stampeders hype teams. Tickets for the 50-50 draw are already underway and will close at 11 p.m. on Friday. More details are available at www.5050stamps.com. Com. Over the years, 50 Dinos have gone on to play for the Stamps, including five members of the current roster: receiver Jalen Philpot, offensive lineman Sean McEwen, and Ryan Skevier; defensive back Nick Stats, and linebacker Charlie Moore. Following the game, fans are invited to remain in their seats and enjoy the light up the night fireworks display at halftime. Minor football takes the center stage as the Gridiron Stars of the future will be in action. So should be a very fun night. And with tonight being the Flames' season opener, Coach Dickinson on the Flames this season and some words for head coach Ryan Huska as he makes his NHL head coaching debut.
3: Yeah I'd like to I'd I'd like to develop a relationship with Ryan at some point I'm I always feel like coaches it's good to talk and and you know not to say that it's the same sport but there can be certainly similar challenges I've always had good relationship with Flames coaches so I'm certainly looking forward to reaching out and and uh, getting to to know Ryan a bit you're going to have a little bit of nerves you know even if even myself when you're not not necessarily playing you still get the drier mouth and you still start lots of scenarios going through your head I don't know exactly as a hockey coach you know you're probably you want to get off to a decent start you want your goalie to make a big save early and uh you know when it's at home in your building you want you want to try to get that first win that first lead so um Now, Jets, you know, team maybe not considered uh, one of the powerhouses either. Uh, I really think the Flames match up well, and uh, hopefully they get off to a good start. You think the Flames make the playoffs this year? You know what? Everyone's good, and everyone has good players. The one thing I find in hockey is, you know, who, who can step up. Like, if you have two or three guys that are just take you to that next level um who they are we'll see uh maybe more ice time more opportunity will help and to be honest your goalie i mean i've always said it like the goal is your quarterback if your goalie's playing well you'll have a solid season if your goalie's struggling it's going to be tough and um yeah i met uh you know i've, I've tried to meet a few of the guys but uh, we did a special olympics golf tournament and uh, uh you know met some of the flames and and so the young goalie and just try to, to to figure out, you know, basically who's going to start, who's not. You know, just like running backs, sometimes teams are going with – platoons having a couple goalies. I'm not sure they like that, uh, but I do feel like uh, ride the hot hand and and that that position will, will decide, in my opinion, whether you make the
2: playoffs or not. GM and head coach of the Stampeders, Dave Dickinson, a big follower of hockey and, of course, the Calgary Flames. Thursday will be a walkthrough, so should have depth charts sometime Thursday morning. And then on Friday, it's go time. Do or die for the Stampeders as they host the Riders in a must-win game. With your Stampeders report, I'm Patty Dumas.
0: Thank you, Patty. Appreciate that. Uh, we'll take a break, come back on the other side, get you set for the Flames opponent tonight. The Winnipeg Jets are in town. We saw them a little earlier this preseason, but things have changed since then after a couple of major contract extensions. Ken Weeb from Sportsnet.ca joins us next here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Counting down just a few hours to go before we hit the ice of the Scotiabank Saddledome. Game one of 82 regular season games for the Calgary Flames kicking it off tonight against the Winnipeg Jets, a Jet squad the Flames did see during the preseason, but different vibes around this Winnipeg team after getting a couple of key members signed up to long-term contract extensions. Welcome to Sportsnet. Today it's hour two from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios here in Calgary, Alberta. And for our uh, look at the opposition today, only one man we love to chat to when we talk all things Winnipeg Jets. Very happy to welcome you into the program down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. It's our pal from Sportsnet.ca. Ken Weave joins us this afternoon. Kenny, thanks for the time as always, sir. How are you? Logan,
4: uh, doing fantastic. Thanks. Uh, early bogey for me though. I thought I, I just poked my head in at native tongues for lunch, but uh we'll get the head done and then we'll have lunch. Just left the dome <laughs> here. It's been a busy morning. It's
0: been a busy morning. I bet it is. Uh what was your excitement level for another NHL season that gets underway tonight, pal?
4: Oh joy level's high. Yeah I, certainly as you know the the vibe around the flames is certainly a lot different than it was last year around this time uh, after leaving here in the last preseason game in Vamp and same can be said for the Jets, especially after yesterday's news with the matching identical contract extensions for two premier players at premier positions. Uh, the Jets have a pretty positive demeanor going into the year. I mean, there was... I think they were going to be a bubble team going in, but there was going to be a heavy kind of cloud of uncertainty kind of around this team. Would one be there beyond March 9th? Would, would both be there beyond March 9th? Would neither be on March 9th? I think we're all within the realm of possibility, but uh, that's been eliminated with the, uh, with the extensions that kick in next year. And uh, just the feeling around the team, I think, you know, they put on a brave face and said, Oh, it won't be a distraction when training camp began, but uh, let's not kid ourselves. When two of the, two of the prime prime time players on the team are not committed beyond this year. uh, There's, there are some question marks and uh, that sort of has been alleviated uh, at least for right now. So now it's about what's going to happen on the ice, but I think it's a massive deal for the organization to have two homegrown talents commit, and that could lead other, either internal people or future free agents to say, hey, with elite goaltending, the Jets are going to be a contender for you know the foreseeable future here.
0: What was your initial reaction to hearing about those contract extensions, Ken? Because it sure feels like most people around the NHL, and even in Winnipeg, were pretty surprised to get pen to paper with both of those guys ahead of the season opener.
4: Yeah, I'm not surprised that they s- decided to stick around, but I-, I thought the Jets were more likely to get one than both. Uh, I didn't think they would go to a point where they didn't have either moving forward, but uh, as you know, both Kevin Cheveldayoff and-, and Governor and co-owner Mark Chipman said, it kind of almost didn't make sense to do one without the other, just given their importance to the team. And, you know, it's great if you have an elite bully, but if you don't have a number one center, then you're kind of always wondering if you have what it takes to get over the top. And likewise, if you have the center and don't have the goaltending. So uh, I would say I was surprised on the timing, for sure. It kind of came out of nowhere, especially when you consider, Logan, three weeks ago, Mark Shifley spoke on the first day of training camp and said there had been no discussions of, of, of a substantial nature. So to get from no real discussions to 8.5 times 7, uh, you know, there would have been a lot of phone calls and negotiations done in the last three weeks here. Or so with with Hellebuck, it sounded like negotiations kind of dated back to August, but this was a real big development when it comes to Shifley and it's a big one. I mean, Mark Chipman told me yesterday, Logan, Mark is our Dale saying that the jets didn't want to have what happened to Dale Howard Chuck during jets 1.0 era happened to Mark Shifley and jets 2.0. Yeah, of course it's different. One's a hall of famer. One is a first overall pick, but just having that first first choice for 2.0 and the relationship that Mark and Dale had, I think, uh, is sort of fitting for them to get that done. I mean, Mark's favorite player is Dale Howarchuk, or sorry, it uh, was Steve Eisenman, uh one organization team, and now both of those guys could potentially be lifetime Jets here. At least that's the idea, and that's the, the preface behind the long-term extensions.
0: After hearing from everybody, Ken, I'm curious in your mind, what changed between the end of the season when it seemed like there was a, a large amount of uncertainty between both of these sides? What What changed in your mind to get to this point where they both – have now signed these long-term extensions.
4: Yeah, it's interesting. I think in some ways with Hellebuck, I think Hellebuck sort of making it clear he wanted to win a Stanley Cup. And I think maybe in his mind over the course of the the three or four months, he sort of maybe came to the conclusion that if I'm on the team, the team has a chance to win the Stanley Cup. And I don't mean that in an egotistical sense, but what I mean is I think he looked a little bit more internally and thinking no matter where I commit to I can have the impact of making my team a Stanley Cup contender, and I think once he got to the point where I mean he knew his wife, you know, two two young children were comfortable in Winnipeg, he felt like he could commit that to the city, into the organization, into the program, and and that he was on board. And in terms of Schipley, Schipley's never asked for a trade. I, I know that you know there was a big uproar I think two two off seasons ago, and Mark sort of you know, he used I a little bit too much than we. And that sort of set up a lot of, a lot of alarm bells. But, I mean, this was a guy who had the season ended prematurely by a separated shoulder and was very disappointed. And and that's okay. And that one thing Kevin Chevaldev said yesterday, he wanted both players to take, you know, the time, the three, four months to kind of reassess where they were at and if they were willing to stick around. And so it seems kind of odd, like, you know, that the negotiations with Schaefer didn't start until three weeks ago. As a casual observer, you'd be thinking, well, how can you want a player, but you haven't engaged with them in conversation yet, but it was more allowing the time to, you know, soak in and have the player kind of come to some realizations about where they want to take their careers. And and that's ultimately where the Jets got to with both guys.
0: You mentioned Connor Hellebuck and his desire to win a Stanley cup. I'm curious, do you think that there's been a promise from the organization to Connor specifically that, he and the team are going to remain competitive as best they can during this uh, contract extension period for him.
4: Yeah, there's no doubt in my mind, uh, not just to those two players. I'm, I'm, you know, I don't have it on, you know, confirmed, but I'm pretty sure that whether it was Mark, Mark Chipman himself or Kevin Sheveldayoff, they had made it clear to the players that there was not going to be a rebuild here. And it's easier to sell that to players and future free agents once you get those two guys signed. So uh, all the folks that were thinking the Jets were going to tear it down and maybe rebuild completely—that I don't think was ever going to happen. We've talked about that before, Logan. I just didn't think the market would 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 respond to a rebuild. And with this move, the Jets have def- definitely shown that they're all in. And I, I think that just—it's going to go beyond just making this 119 million dollar commitment, which is substantial. I think as long as the Jets are competitive, they're going to be adding at the trade deadline and, and trying to take a, a real run. Because, like, let's not kid ourselves. When players are 31 and they get signed to seven-year deals, you know the chances are a lot better that those deals will look better at the start of the out of the contracts than the than at the end. And that's not to say that they can't be still contributing at the end of those deals, but their championship window is more probably in the in the three to you know zero to four-year window than it is the, the the five to eight. I would expect the Jets to load up, and I mean this doesn't mean they're going to trade all of their prospects. They have a good forward group of prospects coming. But I think that this is going to be more of an all-in mentality for the Jets as they move into to this year and beyond once those contracts actually kick in next fall.
0: Is this a big win for the city of, of Winnipeg in the sense of getting two premier players locked down and committed to Winnipeg for the long term? Ken, in your eyes, is that a, a win for the organization too?
4: No doubt about it. Same as what we saw here in Calgary when, when Backlund decided to re-up. Yes, of course, there's still work for Craig Conroy and company to do in terms of kind of getting other commitments, uh, whether it's from Lindholm or Hannifin or whoever can whoever decides to stick around. But when you have homegrown talents who, you know, commit their you can argue if they're prime years or not, but these are still guys that are making a big, big time contribution to commit, it's a win for the organization. We know what the narrative has been around the flames and around Winnipeg in the summer. Oh, people don't want to be there. People are trying to get on the first bus or plane out of town that's not true with these two guys. And I think there'll be more UFAs that, that follow by signing on the dotted line rather than get moved. And I would imagine the same will hold true here in Calgary with, with at least a couple of those uh, pending UFAs as well.
0: I'm interested, Ken, if this changes your expectations for the group or not. I mean, the team hasn't changed uh, from a couple weeks ago or from how we expected them to start the season. But as you mentioned, it feels like a lot of questions that were going to be asked during the season, are now put to bed does this change in your mind what the the expectation looks like for the group going forward as to you know game one starts tonight for the regular season and these guys are now here and committed ready to go
4: yeah i mean i think the jets probably went in as a bubble team and i would say that they're probably you could probably put them in a class ahead of that now does this does this move put them with you know in line with dallas and colorado i'm I'm not sure Uh, i'm not ready to say that yet i think the jets are in that next batch when it comes to the Central and the Western Conference. There's a bunch of teams, whether it's uh, Calgary, Seattle, uh, you want to put the uh, Minnesota Wild in that category. I think that there are teams that they could finish third in their division, they could finish in a wild card, or you know, some of those teams are going to finish out of the playoffs. Those are the facts. But uh, in terms of expectations, I think the Jets see themselves as a clear-cut playoff team that wants to do more than just finish in the eighth slot like they did last year. And again, we know, look at the Florida Panthers. You can go a long way out of the 8th spot, but it's an awfully hard road. Uh, not to say it's a whole lot easier going in the 2-3 game in the Central or in the Pacific. But uh, I think the Jets are sort of going to be, I'm going to put them third in the, in the Central Division. But, you know, if they get hot and if their goaltending holds up, you know, they could battle the Lakes of Colorado and Dallas. But right now, I think they're sort of in that middle tier when it comes to the Western Conference.
0: Ken Weeb's along with us. He's here in Calgary for the Flames and the Jets. Regular contributor at Sportsnet.ca covering the Jets. Uh, Ken, as far as the team we'll see on the ice tonight for Game One uh, of the Jets season, how has the roster changed since the, I guess, the big move of the the LA Kings influx of talent? The the Gabe Velardis, the Alex Follows? What's uh, what has Rick Bonus done with these new pieces in his lineup?
4: Yeah, no doubt. I mean, uh, Gabriel Valardi is finding himself in a great position. I mean, you saw him in the Pacific last year with LA. He was more of a third-line player playing on the on the second power play. But uh, he's riding shotgun right now with Mark Scheifele and Kyle Connor on what should be a really dynamic line. Alex Iafallo is the Swiss Army knife. You can put him anywhere. He's going to start with Calgary product Adam Lowry. and uh, Mason Appleton, and then Rasmus Kapari is in the four-hole. Uh, With Vladislav Nemesikov and Morgan Barron. Uh, The biggest difference with the trade, uh, of course, there's some, you know, you lose two top six players, they'll be hard to replace, but the Jets have stretched out the depth uh, throughout their lineup. They're going to need a healthy Cole Perfetti, a healthy Nikolai Eulers. If that's the case, they're a four line team, uh, and they won't have to be so heavily reliant on their top six forwards. Uh, We know Josh Morrissey had an unbelievable year last year getting his his way into the Norris discussion. Uh, Josh is, you know, determined to finish higher than fifth, you know, on that ballot this year. And I think he's going to take another step in his career as well. And the other reason I think the jets are deeper with all due respect to former flame, David Reddick, having Lauren, Lauren Bersua here uh, really helps their goaltending situation. Connor will not have to play 13 in a row. He did it at the end of last year. And I really think it'll help him stay fresh. And you know, Boursois is not just a backup. This is a guy that could be a one B and, you know, push to be a starter in some other organizations. So I think that's why I say the Jets are deeper in a lot of areas. Yes, there are questions about the defense corps, uh, you know, beyond the first pairing. Neil Pionk needs a bounce back year, but uh they're well positioned to, to be a you know, to be a contender. Are they a favorite? Not not right now, but I do think that they're gonna be a really competitive team and you know, we've talked often about the parallels between the two organizations and you know, I do think that they're they're going to be in some similar situations when it comes to battling for playoff spots and, but having also having the potential to you know, push for that third spot in their respective
0: divisions as well. That sure feels that way. Ken, always appreciate the time. Great stuff as always, man. Uh, enjoy your lunch. And glad to see you here in Calgary. Hopefully we we'll run into you at the dome a little bit later tonight, pal.
4: Yeah. Look forward to it. Logan. Thanks for having me. And enjoy the season as well. man. Take care. Take care.
0: Ken we thank you. Ken we joining us down the Atlas pizza and sports bar guest hotline covering the flames and the jets in town getting set for tonight's matchup. And that's where our focus has been most of the day. It's finally here. The regular season kicks off tonight for the Calgary Flames. It's the Winnipeg Jets who, again, aren't any different, but the parallels mean Ken talked during the summer about the parallels between Winnipeg and Calgary and these uh, guys that were, you know, destined to leave the organization on both sides. Well, look how quickly things change. You just heard from Ken uh, a couple weeks ago. Mark Shifley said they hadn't really talked all that much about a contract extension in Winnipeg. Now, all of a sudden, him and Connor Hellebuck are on these matching long-term deals to remain in Winnipeg. Going to be interesting to see both of these squads in tonight's matchup. We're getting set it. It's a 7 o'clock Flames pregame tonight with Pat Steinberg. He's getting you set for game 1 of 82 this regular season. be a little bit after 8 o'clock for puck drop with Derek Wills and Megan Mickelson. Uh, of course, with player introductions, season opening, uh, entertainment and whatnot from uh, the Calgary Flames a little bit later than 8 o'clock, we're expecting for puck drop tonight, but going to be very exciting. Nonetheless, to get things going, if you missed it earlier, here is your projected lineup for the Calgary Flames tonight. We'll start with Jonathan Huberto, uh, Elias Lindholm, and Dylan Dubé. Nassim Kadri will center Yegor Sharangovich and Matt Coronado. Manjapani with Backlund and Coleman, the classic shutdown line for the Calgary Flames, while A.J. Greer makes his Flames debut on a line with Adam Ruzichka and Walker Dewar. Of course, he was claimed off of waivers from the Boston Bruins just a few days ago. That leaves Dryden Hunt as your extra forward. Your D-pairings look like this. Hannafin with Anderson, Zadorov with Wieger, Osterley with Tanev. Jacob Markstrom will get the start in goal. Dennis Gilbert will sit as your extra defenseman looking forward to this one tonight, all of the off season narratives, the questions that we've gone through over and over and over again, even during the preseason are finally behind us. We can get into real hockey. Very excited for it tonight. Can't wait. pat has got flames talk coming up for you a little bit later on this afternoon. You don't want to miss it. He's going to get you set with absolutely everything that you need to know ahead of tonight's game at the Scotiabank. Get down to the Dome tonight if you don't already have tickets. Flames going on a lengthy road trip to start the season after this game at home, so if you want a chance to see the Flames, you haven't got tickets yet, head down to to the Flames website, Ticketmaster, whatever. Get some tickets. Go out and see the Flames tonight. going to be uh, a great atmosphere to the Dome as we kick off another exciting NHL season. It's been a busy show here. We've blown through the last two hours. Uh, I want to say thank you Uh, To you, whether listening live or on the podcast, appreciate it as always. Thank you if you texted into the fan feedback line today at 960-960. Thank you to Outstanding Producers Cam and Taylor for their great work today. Uh, Our guests have been Ken Weeb, who joined us from Sportsnet.ca, taking a look at the opposition, Ailish Forfar from Sportsnet 590, the fan in Toronto, and of course Wednesdays uh, with Annie McNamara, our fantasy football guru. You missed any of it, it's up on the podcast literally moments after every hour finishes. Google, Amazon, Spotify, or your favorite pod catcher. Enjoy the hockey tonight. It's a late one on a Wednesday, but I don't think that matters to anybody. We're excited to have regular season hockey back. I can't wait to be back tomorrow to break it down with you. Uh, Enjoy your afternoon. Enjoy the Flames and the Jets tonight. We'll be back tomorrow right here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.